G'day beer lovers, I'm Pete Mitchum and welcome to Beer is a Conversation. In this episode, I head out east of Melbourne to visit Hargraves Hill Brewery and catch up with the founder, chief bottle washer and sometime classical pianist, Simon Walkenhurst. Uh, we chat about the brewery's history from its humble rural origins, the loss of the brewery in the Black Saturday fires, through to the present where they've just undergone a brand refresh. Simon has witnessed the dynamic changes over the past decade and in particular, uh, and has some keen insights into what it takes to maintain your brewery's identity as so many new players join the scene. It's a great chat for those keen to learn how to stay relevant in an ever-changing market. Enjoy. Simon, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. Thank you very much, Pete. Uh, mate, for those who don't know, uh, because I guess Hargraves Hill, and I'm lucky enough at the moment to be, uh, have been commissioned to, to write a book uh, about the last 10 years of the, uh, the Gab's Hottest 100, and going back through those original ones, and the ESB, and the Phoenix, the RIS, all these things sort of keep popping up, and I sort of think, wow, I, I think probably some people don't realise just how long Hargraves Hill has been around. Talk us through, I guess, the, the, the genesis, and then we'll, then we'll get into where we are now. Sure. Um, <clears throat> look, we've been going, we're about sort of coming up on, you know, 14 years in the industry. Um, it took us a couple of years to get up and running, but the first beer went out in, in 2004, and it was a very different, uh, different beer landscape then. Um, it wasn't as populated as it is now with other brands and, and, and things like that. And so, like, I mean, while we're not um, one of the real, you know, Pioneers in terms of you know you get Grand Ridges, Mountain Goats, and Holgates. We're probably just that next little generation behind them. Um, so 2004, the challenges were in, for selling beer back then was probably that it was all a bit you know all this this craft beer stuff was a bit new. Um, or, you know we were often labelled boutique beers or that sort of thing, um, and it was all very new and very hard to actually penetrate it. A shop, or, or you know, get on get on shelf, or tap, or whatever, because it was all a bit strange, and there wasn't that that um, I suppose uh, the acceptance the, level. Yeah, right. that's exactly right. And so the, the movement wasn't as, as strong and, and, and going as well as as it is now. Now we come up into a you know roll into 2018. Now we're facing you know sort of a, like a, a fair amount of competition. And well, that's um, it. The game has really changed, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, and that's it. And um, you know, probably trying to establish ourselves as a uh, have some have some loyalty towards brands is also another thing. I mean, we I think one of the things that we really face, I suppose, is that um, we were, you know, people are, are really fond of the brand and you know and, and our beers and things like that, and we seem to have had really great acceptance and things like that. But, yeah, but often drinkers are moving on to the next new thing or into the next new style and, and things like that. And I suppose you know, sort of. You know, talk to you know, occasionally have this conversation with you know the Paul Holgates of the world or the other other brewers of, of a similar age, and you know it's the, the staying relevant and and, and, and being a, a, a brand that you know people really want to um, to, to drink and 
and go back to and support is is you know the, the new challenge for, for the older players. Yeah, it? and you touch on that that loyalty, and, and I guess the the feeling at the moment is that um, the the craft or the independent beer drinker, it's it's all about yeah, oh this is great, and and here's this limited release, and I'm going to support that, and then the next new big shiny thing comes along, and and, and we get distracted, and we go and oh now I want to have that, whereas uh, I guess you know gone are the days of that rusted on brand loyalty. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, back in 2004, uh, it was an easy caper because there was, there was far less competition. Because like you say, there was, there was um, price pressure, there was, um, you know, recognition factor, all those sort of things that, that really sort of had to be built. Um, if you had to put your finger on, on the one element that has really sort of, I guess, changed the game, what, what would you see it as? The one element that's changed the game? Uh, look, I suppose... I don't think there's, there's probably one element that's changed the game. There's probably, you know, a myriad of factors that, you know, sort of operate in, you know, and it's funny when we sort of, you know, often, you know, the, the guys sit around and we talk about, you know, how, how many different factors there are to um, the success of a beer and nothing operates in a, in a vacuum um, or of, of one, um, you know, one, one particular uh, factor that is... Is, is really the, the, the kicker. But I suppose now I think I'm pretty optimistic. I feel like we've got um, a, good, a good market to go into. Um, I feel like we've got a, got a level of acceptance that just makes it easier for us. Um, I think, you know, if we, but we've got to walk into a store and we've got to, you know, we've got to have, you know, if we're going to, um, in, into a, you know, retail situation or, or, or whatever, we, we have to give the, the shop owner the confidence that they will, if they buy a beer, they'll sell our beer. You know, so consistency of quality yep. is probably, yep. it's, that's number one, two yep. and three, probably through to your first five, you know, sort of key performance indicators. You really want to make yep. sure that you, that's it. Um, if it says on the label it's a pale ale, that people will drink it and go, oh yeah, that's a pale ale or it's a yep. lager or whatever it might be. Yep. Um, how important is marketing? Marketing has become more and more important. For us, and particularly, you know, in a, in a growing brewery, um, back in the day, it was okay. We could sell a little bit of a little bit of beer in shop A, B, and C. But now, you know, as we've sort of grown and we've got, you know, it's it's a pretty hungry beast in terms of we've got to put on new tanks because we've hit capacity. And if we go to that next level, then we have to have more salespeople, then we have to have more marketing funds and we've got to have more products sitting around and we've got to have we've got to be, you know, playing that bigger game. And I think that's a it's a fascinating thing to, you know, from what I was doing, you know, fourteen years ago when I was first putting out the beer, I was, you know, like a lot of the guys who started off back then, you know, we were bottling it ourselves and checking in the back of the station wagon and driving around the suburbs. Dropping and, samples and, and that's it, all following up doing it yeah. all. That doesn't wash anymore, and I think that is, you know, it's a bigger, it's a bigger beast. It needs to support more people, but it also need, it's got a great more potential than it ever has. Um, but it is just a really exciting time to see, you know, that you can start from such a small place and then grow it to this point. But then, you know, to go to that next level, okay, we're going to have to start really seriously talking about marketing, and. Um, you know, like a few little bits and pieces here and there or, or whatever isn't going to really wash or, you know, a couple of tweets or a couple of Facebook posts or Instagram or whatever. Um, that's got to be really quite quite organised because it's such a noisy industry now. And I think that's, you know, with the, the you know, the coming in of, of bigger companies, you know, trying to 
sort of play in this little crafty space. Yeah, appear small. Yeah, and that's it. And, you know, we've got to probably, you know, we come out against those big budgets and, and that sort of thing, and it's really, really hard to get the message across as to who we are very succinctly in, in, the, in, the, in the time that we have to communicate to our, to our, to our audience, I suppose. Now, you've just uh, recently engaged the services of, of Jess uh, at Craft Instinct to yeah. sort of um, come up with a, a, a rebrand, um, which I, I'm going to guess is it the second or third, maybe, in terms of your, like the label style and design, it's probably the, the, That's the third. third. That's the third iteration. But it's a, quite a, a departure. I guess you've, you've really maintained, um, and we'll, we'll post some, um, some pics in the show notes so that people can see the, the new labelling. Um, it's clearly still very much Hargrave Hill, and it's held on to that sort of, I guess, the, that tradition. But it's, um, but it's, it's kept itself um, new and fresh. Yeah. So the third go that we've had it, um, you know, this this one's probably one that we've taken a lot more seriously and really spent a good amount of time. And Jesse's been great with, uh, you know, sort of defining who we're trying to. Um, you know, we try to reach with it. Uh, and is that something that's really hard to do internally? Because you're, they're your babies, and it's very hard to, to not have that, you know, store blindness, as they say, where you kind of go, but there's nothing wrong with it. But if we're going to change it, you might tweak the colours or you might tweak the font, but it's really hard to sort of see what is it that we really need to do to make it the same, yep. but different. Well, that's it. I suppose it's a, it's, it seems to be maybe just that little bit harder to go you know to we we called it a refresh or a um you know more so than a rebrand a lot of the time but i suppose the the whole um approach that we took with it is that we we wanted to be true to what we've done in the past and there to sort of make sense to to us and to to people that you know buy our beer locally and all of our um all of our retailers and and that sort of thing and but we needed to be clearer on the label i thought it was I always felt like the previous version was a bit dialed back and sort of in the current climate now sort of was getting a bit lost on the shelf. Um, it wasn't really wasn't really popping and so that was really a big big part of it is to try and you know get a good 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 amount of um, presence you know and then but also staying true to brand so that was really the, the, the first thing I noticed is that the Hargraves Hill logo in the circle the or the rondel is, is sort of still front and centre yeah. uh, and at the top of the label. But the key thing for me was that the first thing I noticed was pale, IPA, lager, junior, ESB. Like I can see what the style is. Was that important to sort of... Yeah, yeah. So we, we wanted to be pretty pretty style forward and, and things like that. And we, we've, we've never been one to really give our beers too many nicknames or anything like that. It's always just been the style on the it bottle. It is what it is, yeah. Um, that's just, you know, how we've, how we've done things. Um, but yeah, just really wanted to wanted to make sure that you know you could recognise the brand from a visual perspective, not so much a written perspective. Like I mean, it's got Hargraves Hill written on it a few you know places in in in, in prominent writing. But yeah, the the IPA or the the pale ale or the um, ESB is a really sort of prominent feature on the label. Yeah. So this is the refresh for the or the rebrand, the relaunch for the core range. Yeah. Um, Talk us through what you're doing with the, I guess, the limited release or the, you know, the, the brewer's fancy kind yeah. of stuff. Well, that, that's a big, big program for us. And that's, um, you know, something where we get to, as brewers, really, you know, explore techniques, ingredients and um, styles, really. Um, and, and so 
we've got a steady re- schedule of releases throughout the year that we that, that we always produce, and you know, it's, it's we've done some really really cool things. One thing that I'm uh, we've started working on a lot is stronger sours. So like. Um, you know, sour, sour beers that are above you know seven percent and, and things like that, because I think that's a real, really unexplored area of, of you know, I mean, there's lots of you know balloons out there and yeah, lots um, of almost sessionable sours. Yeah, and gozers and things like that, and they're always sort of you know three and a half, four, five percent and things like that. But just the like the body and the richness and the and the fullness of flavour that you get um, in those in those higher alcohol beers are really to me quite quite interesting as a as a brewer. You see a lot. You know, a couple more of them in the US, I suppose, than you do over here, and they never really make it here. But yeah, that's that's one thing that we we really want to play with. Um, Is that inspired in part, at least, by um, you're fairly well known back, particularly in the early days, for those uh, you were the one of the first of the local brewers to sort of be doing the the, the big bold Belgian yeah sort of style. So is that kind of I guess still that influence when it comes to the sours? Oh, absolutely, yeah. No, I think. Um, you know, we, we we've always loved those 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 Belgian beers, and they're fun to make. They're fun to have in the brewery and tank, and that's going. You know, sampling from tank, those beers are awesome. Um, I, but I think the way that often you know whether whether these sour beers get barrel aged in a particular way, or we do this or we do that with them, um, there's a whole you know sort of palette that hasn't really been explored by too many brewers in this country. Um, you know, it, I, and and I think there's a real there's a real you know journey for us to go on to to go and explore some of those styles. I mean, obviously, all, we also love really hoppy beers and and that sort of thing. And we've got um, Kenneth coming out again in a little while this year. Um, and we've got what else have we got? We've got well the big you know the big releases of the year for us. Phoenix came out recently, um, and we've got Riz in in June. So you know some of those those beers are always seem to sort of attract a bit of attention and you know and, and people seem to enjoy them and it, it, do you think it's important from your you know from your I guess the um, the brand image that you project to particularly to new drinkers coming in that you've you've stuck with um, an older style label or more, you know more traditional sort of format uh, and the taller bottles are they still going to be wax capped and, and all that sort of thing to I guess not to be almost like a separate brand but to, to stand aside from what you're trying to say with the core range yeah, look, I think, um, look, the opportunity for us with the, the, the bigger bottles is that, I mean, first and foremost, we can make a much more complex beer. Um, I'm interested in, you know, ageing beer as well, because often, you know, we get told that, you know, even in comp- when you're judging these competitions, that um, often oxidation can detract from a beer. Yes, it can, and I, I don't, don't disagree with that. Um, but if you if you bottle age something, you've got the opportunity for the the hop flavours or the bitterness to really soften. Um, you've got the opportunity for the um, you know a little bit of sherry like character. With a, a well chosen malt bill, you can really make a, a really tasty beer, which is enhanced by a little bit of that character. You don't want it to be the dominating character in that beer because that to me would be you know. It would, then it would just simply lack that complexity. But we really want to. We, we are really striving with you know Phoenix and Riz and a few of the other beers that we'll be bringing out over the next you know couple of years um, to get the benefit of, 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 of aging rather than just have it as a um, 
okay, you don't want any of your IPAs, your pale ales, or anything like that. But like a little bit of that sherry character, softer bitterness, and a more rounded malt character can be something that's really, really desirable in a, in a, in, in a imperial red ale. Yeah. So some of those harsher, I guess, uh, higher notes are, are kind of just rounded off a little bit. That's it. Yeah. In that age. Of, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I guess the opposite of that, or uh, you know, the the, the yin to that yang. Um, you've introduced a, a couple of new beers that are going to be part yep. of the, the core range, um, which is very much a departure from that and obviously aiming at um, a different segment and presumably the larger segment of the market. Talk us through those. Okay, so um, we, when we were going through this whole process, it was sort of like, well, what can we do? How would we... Um, is there anything that we could really improve in our, in our core range offering? Um, we we sort of seen over the uh, sort of the last couple of years, Hefeweizen and, and wheat beer styles in in stores have really tailored off yeah. in in sales. They're not really selling. I think wheat is probably something that a lot of people are very conscious about how they you know consume it these days, and it just sort of seemed to be a um, bit of a flagging sort of variety. So we decided that we'd probably cut that out of core range and maybe bring it back seasonally now and then. Um, and Golden Ale as well, um, which was a Kolsch style beer. We'd seen that sort of just trickle trickle along as well. And so we thought, well, but also like, I mean, we sort of saw with our tank set up and things like that, that what, there wasn't a real opportunity to just keep adding to that core range because the, the tank management on, on that becomes really difficult. Yeast management becomes, you know, quite quite tricky and, and, and that sort of thing. So I didn't really want to, you know, put that sort of pressure on production. Um, and I also thought, you know, we, we could have a, a much, you know, tighter, fresher offering. And one of the things that we'd always um, been repeatedly asked for was a lager. And yeah, they're hard things to brew technically. Uh, and also they, they do take that, that time in tank, but you know, with the last upgrade, when we put some new tanks in, we've we've got a little bit of capacity there now, so we thought, well, we can we can have a have a go at one. The lager style that we've chosen is um, probably the antithesis of, of 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 what most craft breweries would produce. It's a uh, Dortmund style export, you know, lager, and it's 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 really um, it's it's really got um, very very low bitterness, very low hop character, a little bit of no like it's it's noble hop character. So there's um, Hallertau Mittelfruit as the as the um, hop hop there that's added quite late in the kettle, um, and just to give it that really you know sort of typical you know sort of German you know characteristic. One of the things that we hear a lot out in the Yarra Valley, um, it's a pretty uh, you know. In, in terms of a beer market, it's it's a, it's a it's a it's probably a pretty typical one. There's a, there's a lot of people, you know. We we take the lager to places like the you know the Yarra Glen Racecourse and, and and pour it there and and that sort of thing. And we we find that often there's a there's a there's a good number of people out here or around. And a lot of a lot of our winemaking friends are not big on hops, so they don't really. But they just want something nice and clean and refreshing and. And that sort of thing, and I suppose we've been talking about hops and bitterness and you know high alcohol, yeah, and, yeah, all that sort of stuff for years. And it's it's just really nice to hand someone a beer without having to really talk it's just and explain beer. it. It's just a beer, and it's 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 my go-to beer at the moment. It's just you know I get back to the get back to the bar out in Yarra Glen and 
it's the first beer I go for because it's just it is just a really nice, simple, easy. And for those who don't know, I guess you know uh, Yarra Glen. Uh, it, it's kind of I guess wine country, but it's also very much I guess it's, it's probably the um, you know the east of Victoria. It's you know just before you get into into Gippsland. I guess it, it's kind of like the like a food producing uh, that's right. area that's quite well known for. So obviously there's quite high tourist traffic as well. Yeah. Um, was it a deliberate um, effort, I guess, to to make that Dortmund style because? Uh, it's like you say. It's, it's it explains itself, um, but is it also was there a, a thinking there that we can distance our, or separate ourselves from what some other because a lot of other you know craft brewers are doing either a Munich yep. style Hells or they're doing going for the that European Pilsner yeah. sort of style. So was there a deliberate attempt to? I think look, we we tried to do something that was a bit unique and with with the with the lager. Um, and something that wasn't hot based. I mean, we've got some 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 people. You know, we're in this industrial estate down here in Lilydale, where the brewery is. Um, and a lot of the guys around the place, they say, "Oh, you know, I just don't want a beer that tastes like flowers." And <laughs> you know, that's a that's a pretty. Um, well, we do love our hop character and, and things like that. There is a big part of the market that's quite averse. To hops in the way that some people don't like coriander or so, you know that kind of same flavour doesn't doesn't sit well with a lot of people. They find it pretty hard to to, to get around. So, I mean, that, that's that was sort of like a we try and have, I suppose, a beer for every situation and for every drinker. So, it, like, you might be able to you know come out to Yarraglen and get a ten percent you know hoppy beast or a an pale ale or an IPA or things like that but now you can also have you know a really nice tasty lager it's um there's no there's no shortage of good ingredients in it it's all it's all really fine german malts and and really good hops and and things like that and you know the time is taken in the brew to make it to make it as good as we possibly can so it's it's um just a a really you know a, a, a beer just to to really sort of test our um, skills as brewers as much as much as it is to, to make something that's really you know quite quite easy for, for people to drink and enjoy yeah I suspect too Simon that um, you know that the winery tours that you know the winery trail that people sort of go on um, and let's be fair a lot of uh, it could be one one side of the partnership or the other uh, get dragged along um, and really just want to go oh, but I can't even like one of us has got to drive so is that part of the reasoning behind the the, the new addition, the, the other addition to the yeah, core range, so, the junior? Yeah, junior is our new little mid-strength. Um, we've sort of taken a bit of a that is a, a hoppy beer, um, and there's you know mosaic and galaxy in it, and so it is to sort of get those those nice really floral notes and things like that. But three and a half percent once again, it's a new realm for us. We haven't. Um, it's taken a long time to develop these these two bits, so the lager. You know, we've been brewing it a long time in draft form for well, probably close to two years, um, and then with the and the, the juniors probably been about about eighteen months. Um, trying to make a a, a, a mid strength beer that has you know sufficient character to really you know leave leave you you know pretty happy to drink it. Um, but yeah, we are a we are a destination like a destination that isn't probably in the area out here. Um, served particularly well by public transport and then um, 
like a mid-strength seems like a, a pretty pretty common sense thing to do as well. And it, um, you know, the response to it, and the, the way people have been going to it, it's been really surprising to see. You know, people just rocking in and go, "Oh, this, oh, mid-strength, I'll grab one of those." Yeah. And how's the reaction been in the in the in the wider trade? Like, is it out there? It's out just there going the out there at the moment. Okay. So we really haven't had a heap of feedback on it. Um, but yeah, look, I'll, I'll probably be able to sort of, you know, give you, give you an answer, an answer in about a month or so. You know, just sort of see how how, it's, how the response has been. From um, the Hargraves Hill team, you know, your, your brew crew, if you like, point of view, um, do you kind of, uh, I guess, inspire the, the brewers and sort of say, look, I want to do a mid-strength, you guys come up with it, or do you kind of round table it and, and people go, well, why don't we try doing a mid-strength, or I think the market is looking for a mid-strength. Yeah. Talk us through the, the process. Well, I suppose we start talking about, with any of our beers, and like, we, we're ones for, you know, we often say we don't claim to be consistent, we claim to be consistently good. Um, and so we will see changes in all of our beers throughout the year, that's going to be you know, that might be down to hop availability or quality of hops that we can get. And so if we're not happy with a particular hop in a particular beer, we'll pull it. If we're not happy with the malt, we'll change it out and, and, and things like that. So there's always a, 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 a very um, continuous discussion about how we, how we put all of our beers together. But in, in terms of coming up with a new beer, I'd say we, we, we talk about, um, you know, basically a flavour profile that we that we want but it is very much a, a, a round table sort of situation yeah we don't you know I don't sort of go out there and say you yeah, make this beer but it, it's more about you know what flavour profile can we put together what can we what sort of hops are we thinking and when do they get used and you know what what does the colour look like what's how clear is it or you know all of these all of these factors we just really want to um, you know come up with something that I mean we, we're pretty we only pretty well brew beers that we want to drink as well. So, like, I mean, if we don't, if we don't think that um, that's that's probably a big outset, you know, part of the outset when we when we start putting things together is just saying, well, you know, what would we like to drink in that style, or you know, how does that fit in the range and, and things like that. So we're not, it's not marketing driven so much. It's more about you know flavour driven. But there's a there's a there's a like obviously a, a thought. Um, and I think maybe that's a big, big part of what differenti differentiates craft brewers from from others. Is that, that it's that it comes with them, you know the, that's beer first, marketing second. Or you know, I mean, but we do consider what the marketing is going to look like when we start thinking about that yeah. beer as well. But like you say, it, it's no point um, being able to have your beer, you know, seen and heard above the noise unless it's a good quality beer because they'll, they'll buy it once and then yeah. they're one and done and they'll go, oh, it was a bit dodgy right. or yeah. it wasn't what it, what I thought it was going to be, judging by the label. Um, speaking of which, a nice little segue into, I think I speak for a lot of uh, Hargrove Hill fans, um, whose favourite beer is the ESB. Yeah. Now, back in the day, I haven't had one for a little while, um, it was a very fine American-style pale ale, I thought. <laughs> because it had that beautiful character. And in fact, you were possibly even well ahead of the curve. Um, I think had you called that an XPA, yeah. it would have slotted straight in. Well, there's always a bit of a play on words, extra special bitter, because when, when we first started brewing, this was well before any new Australian hop varieties, and we, we started with the lofty aim, right, we're going to grab some local ingredients, brew some, brew some you know... Some, some beer, and then you, you ring up the hop supplier. What Australian hops can we get? Oh, we've got 
Pride, Pride of Ringwood or Pride of Ringwood. <laughs> That's it. So there wasn't a lot of um, a lot on offer. And then, you know, a few years on in 2007, it was the first time this hop called Galaxy was released, and it was the ESB was one of the first beers to, in, in Australia to be to be to be brewed with that particular hop. We thought it was, you know, it was an extra special and bitter hop. So, and it, it really was an extra special bitter beer. Like it had had good levels of bitterness, but it had this wonderful fruity character that was completely mm. new to the market. It was quite a strange flavour back. I don't know if you can remember when when Galaxy yeah, first came out. Yeah. And, you know, look, it was obviously a big big part of the Stone and Wood flavour profile as well. But um, it is a it is a hop that just really was a, a brand new flavour sensation back then and, and you know we were really you know lucky to jump on it early and and that sort of thing we obviously it's a bit different to the, the presentation of stone and wood it's a lot maltier and um a lot you know there's higher higher bitterness as well um but still having that really nice that was really you know always considered quite passion fruity and tropical and and, and that sort of thing and that was something that really emanated out of that beer and was you know well, it's funny. It was a beer that it's success, and you know, I mean, often, you know, we've sort of become synonymously known with that that particular beer. If you say Hargrave Hill, someone would say, "Oh, yeah, the ESP." Um, but I suppose I always thought it was a um, a beer that sort of really made itself, and I it, like it was. It really was just a, a, a multi, a hobbyer version of that pale ale. And when we when, when I first brewed the first batch, it was that was really the the genesis let's just make it a little you know put it up at you know five point it's 5.2 now it's up to about 5.4 back then um and it was just always a really um you know from the first time we it came out of the kettle and through fermentation and into keg and that sort of thing it was just an instant success and you know people just seemed to love it so and so uh, happy to report for the um the Hargrove Hill fanatics out there that it has i see made it uh, into the rebrand, so it's yep. still part yeah, of the, the, yeah. the core range, um, and you've kept it as ESB. So clearly, you weren't worried over the years about it being mistaken for an English special bitter or a, a, a bitter, you know, an English yeah. style. Yeah. Um, no, look, it's something. Look, we we knew we were sort of getting into some territory, but it was sort of like almost maybe that's been a part of the success is the just the. The discussion that's always been around, oh, it's not an ESB, it doesn't taste, you know, doesn't look like one, doesn't taste like one. Well, you know, it's, it's been a, a good, good, there's been plenty of, you know, bar conversations about it as a, as a, as a beer. So, well, from the brewer's point of view, you're sitting around and you're working out, okay, what are we going to enter this year in the Australian International Beer Awards? Entries have just opened. Um, we're going to enter our ESB because, you know, that's the, the team favourite. All right, what, are we, what category do we put it's it in? It's been in several categories. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, um, yeah, no, so it has been in. Oh, well, what's the feedback been on the various categories? Oh, look, it's, at the moment, it's, it, it seems to be. Because, because one thing we should point out about with the AOBAs is it doesn't get presented as an ESB, like it's not ESB. It's just here's a beer within this category. You don't, right. you don't know yeah. the label, no, so you're so not you're not influenced by the letters or the nomenclature. Yeah, I think it's been in. I think it's been in payload before. I think it's been in, but it's dark for a payload. Um, it doesn't sit well in the traditional ESB category because of its you know bitterness and hop character. character. But there is a, um, but it typically does go in there. Um, there is a note in the in the 
in in the uh, style guidelines it says you know this beer can be produced with you know a, or can feature skillfully used um, hops from countries other than the UK. Yeah. So there is there is some sort of understanding that there is you know this new world style ESB, and I think that's pretty well you know that's pretty well where it sits now. Over the last couple of years, we've seen an increase um, in entries in the Australian pale ale category, and that seems to be fairly a fairly broad um, category in terms of there are you know lots of different levels of bitterness. Uh, there's a little bit more range, I think, in in colour. Would you look at Perhaps putting it as an Australian-style pale ale, given that Galaxy is still the, the hero hop. Yeah, I, look, I think it might sort of sit up there in um, bitterness, and it might sit up there in um, you know hop aroma. Australian pale ales are sort of you know probably looks a little bit similar to a you know I suppose Coopers is the, the, yep. the quintessential one there. So um, it's a fair fair departure from that that piece. So um, I'm happy with it in the ESB category, and I'm never expecting it to to do well just because of its hot profile. You know. It must be fun though just to, get, fun. The, just to get the feedback, just yeah, to get the, yeah. the brewer's notes, to go, yeah, I got you all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, no, it's, it, it is true, but it, it, it's a really interesting uh, you know, conversation and it does, does divide people a bit, but uh, yeah, no, I think it's sitting in the ESP category. So Simon, before we let you go, um, 2004, you launched onto the market, and as I say, it was, it was a much more sparsely populated field back then in terms of um, competitors and, and you know, uh, yep. colleagues, uh, collaborators, um, and you've seen a lot of change, obviously, you know, we're up to 450 odd, I'm guessing 2004 we've probably had 120 or so um, small independent brewers across across the country, we're now, you know, four yep. times that. What's the biggest change that you've seen, and then leading into that, what's the biggest challenge for Hargroves Hill moving forward into the, into the, the next decade? Okay. Um... Look, I'd say the biggest changes I've seen is obviously the proliferation of new little breweries and brands and things like this, and um, probably some of these, some of the people that have, have, have come into the industry, you know, it's it, it's sort of like it, it's. I think it's been a really um, challenging time for the consumer. So, like, I mean, the beer, you know, the, the the drinker is is hit with all these new brands, these new styles. Um, you know, summer, you know, we might have gypsy brewers, contract brands, uh, bigger companies, you know, multinational sub brands of yeah, releasing and buying yeah. breweries and, 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 and all of this sort of stuff. So I think, you know, the consumer is just, you know, faced with a, a wall of beers or a, a new market that's just so massive and pretty hard to comprehend. Um, and I think that probably leads into the second part of the question where this is this is the challenge for us moving forward. And I'm not sure that um, one of the things I'd say is that, you know, we talk about, um, you know, like this new, new phenomenon of craft beer, but I'm not sure that it is that new. I think we've, you know, for hundreds of years, we've seen little breweries become bigger breweries and, you know, they all started off with, with a particular local focus and, and um, and then grew from there and, and that sort of thing. So we're not really breaking, in some ways, we're not breaking new ground at all. We're just, we're just you know, hoping to, you know, grow and, 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 and do our thing. Um, but I suppose the, the challenge for us is, you know, just we're a pretty, in, in a lot of ways, we're, we're, we're just a company who just, you know, we just want to make some, some, some good beer and sell it honestly. And, and you know, that's, 
you know, maybe our growth hasn't been as spectacular as a, as a, as a Pirate Life or, or, or some of these other brands and things like that, but it comes off a different base and, you know, look, it's a different style of company, it's a different you know, ownership model and it's a, you know. And you've got to, you've got to stay true to that. That's right. I guess the business ethos that, yeah. that created the company. That's right. So I think what, what we, that's, that in itself is a challenge, but I think we're, we're just sailing along nicely and we're just making, making good beer and selling it well. And we'll just continue to do that and just keep going with that and develop it and that sort of thing. Listen to the market, listen to, listen to what, um, what, what our customers want and, and, and that sort of thing and just really just grow um, based on on that kind of you know approach approach to going to market rather than you know um, you know doing something splashy or, or, or things like that we're just going to keep making this, this this great beer and we're just going to keep ticking it over and, and that's pretty well how we how we how we like to operate. Uh, regular listener Paul Pacey has uh, has has given us Pacey's poser, which is um, where we ask each of our guests uh, if you could knowing knowing what you know now. And going back to 2004 and the ensuing years, what's the one thing that you've learned that you would, if you could go back and have a mulligan, if you could redo it, what would you change? Well, look, that's a, <laughs> that's, that's a real, uh, that's one to unpack, isn't it? Um, that's been a pretty colourful, we've had a pretty colourful history over, over the last, uh, well, over the last 10 years, I suppose. Um, and things have changed, but... Look, I would think that one of the things I would do is probably I would have started a little bit bigger than we did. Um, yeah, so in terms so, of your yeah, brewing so capacity. But, I, but in a way, that was sort of like a good insurance policy because if we weren't making good beer, it was only like 400 litres of it, so it wasn't much to throw out or things like that. There was occasions when we did, you know, tip out a bit of beer and, and that sort of thing. So that was until we really learn our craft and our... our, our Brewing on that system, that was something that was was actually quite useful. I, th I think, you know, I, I think I probably would have been probably just, you know, having seen how we've how we've grown and, and what we've developed and how we've developed, I probably would have been bolder in terms of going to market a lot earlier on. And you know, um, that was one of those things I just always was, you know, we always used to just maybe present our beer in a way. Here's our beer. Would you like something? And I'd probably be, I'd probably be just, would have been, you know, a, a little bit more aggressive, you know, 10 years ago or, or thereabouts. But, you know, as, as I say, we've had some, some things along the way that have, have, have changed our path. And um, that's been, you know, a real, you know, we've learned a lot and we, and we continue to learn. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think anyone who, who knows you, Simon, will know that aggressive is not one of the, the, the descriptors <laughs> that we'd use to describe you. So I, I guess uh, you've, you've grown organically um, and then, you know, obviously there's some, some challenges for the future. Um, and certainly we at Radio Rouge News wish you all the best with that. And uh, thank you, Simon Walkenhurst, for joining us today on Beer is a Conversation. Thank you, Pete. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers. And that was Pete's chat with Simon Walkenhorst. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details on how to do that in the show notes. 
You can also leave a review on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and at the same time help others discover our shows. Finally, you can send us an email and tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry and the topics that we cover by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener, which is especially handy for opening your favourite canned craft beer. We love hearing your thoughts on stories because, after all, beer is a conversation. See you next week. Thank you.